Hello, this is Zach Cherian. Thank you so much for joining us for our podcast today. We are really excited to bring you this teaching. Please open your heart, and if you can, your Bibles, and receive this word from the Lord, recorded live at Brazen Grace Fellowship. Galatians chapter 4. I'm going to read in one translation from verse 1 to 11 in the Amplified, I mean in the NKJV. And then I'm going to read verse 7 through 11 in the Amplified, just so it makes more sense. Galatians chapter 4, if you're there, give me a loud yes, sir. Yes, sir. Let's read together. Now I say that an heir, as long as he is a child, does not differ at all from a slave, though he is master of all, but is under guardians and stewards under the time appointed by the father. Even so, we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the what? Adoption Adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth his spirit of his son into our hearts, crying out, shout it. Stop there. Let's pray. Put your right hand over your heart, if you would, please. Father, speak to us today. Reveal the Father's heart to us. As you have been taking us through this process of healing and delivering, I pray that this word will come forth clearly that tonight... Lord, your precious people will not just be hearers, but also doers. In the name of Jesus, I pray, O God, let this word come forth clearly. I pray that you would speak to every person individually, right where they need to hear hear it. And I thank you, Lord God, that you've anointed me to speak this word. And I give you the glory for what you're doing. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Put your right hand over your head now, so he's thinking, thinking. thinking. You've got to go. go. I receive revelation. revelation. In Jesus' name, Amen. amen. Those of us who come from the grace side of things, we understand that the message of grace is as much about Jesus and his finished work. Amen. Amen. We get that part as, as gracers. We understand that the message of the finished work of the cross was about Jesus and his finished work. But, but really the message is just as much about restoring the image of the father. It is just as much about restoring the image of a father which, which had been marred by the law. And so therefore, because of living under the law, the father looked like a slave, like a slave trader, like a master, like an angry man. That when Jesus comes into the picture and introduces him as a father, they can't receive it. And that's why I find even in the grace camp, many people that are in the grace camp that love the Lord and understand the finished work of Jesus and they understand what it is to live in the finished work of the cross and they get the Jesus part. They have a very hard time understanding the father heart of God. And I was one of them. And to be honest with you, God through this series, which I rarely ever preach what I'm going through. I don't believe in doing that. But as soon as the Lord led me to the series and as soon as I opened the box, it was like I opened a can of stuff that God had to deal with. And really God deals with me before I come here in a lot of ways. This past week, especially, I just got back from Los Angeles and sat under a great man of God, a prophet of hope. Thank God. 
People don't like him because he's always telling you how America is going to be awesome. And uh, he, he's, not, he's not prophesying that doom and gloom and all that stuff. The economic downfall of America. He's not doing that stuff. He's speaking faith. He's speaking hope. He's speaking what Jesus spoke. When, whenever the, the people wanted to call down fire on a town that rejected Jesus. Remember that story? And both the sons of thunder ha, wanted to call out fire and burn the land. Remember that story? Why? Because they rejected Jesus and so they were in sin. And so to do the right thing, they called, they said, let's call down fire and pray judgment on this land. Jesus rebukes those boys and says, you don't know what spirit you are operating under. So my question to you, the intentions can be great. The motivation can be great because we think we can scare people into heaven. I mean, I understand that it's not bad people doing it. It's great intending people. But the truth is, it's always the kindness and the goodness of the Lord. That leads people to repentance in the new covenant. Come on now. It's really important that we understand how we get saved. And you have to understand me on this. Listen to me. That's why the image of the father is so important. Because whenever we scare people into heaven. Listen to me carefully. How you get saved is how you stay saved. How you get saved is how you stay saved. Because if you were scared into heaven. You're going to spend the rest of your life living in that fear. Afraid of missing heaven. Because heaven was kind of like this, here comes that boat. You better jump in because that's the only opportunity you have. Hop on the boat. You jump into the boat just to escape the storm. And so you live your life in fear because you got into heaven because you thought it's a lot better than hell. Yeah. Imagine telling your wife, I married you because all, all the other, other, other women are just ugly. <laughs> what we do don't we we scare people if you don't get saved you're gonna burn in hell you're gonna burn in the flames of fire now do you believe in hell preacher i do but i don't believe scaring people into heaven i believe in drawing people into heaven with his goodness and his kindness and his mercy and his love please listen to me the beauty of jesus is way greater than the ugliness of the devil I don't have to tell people how ugly the devil is to get them to be saved. I don't have to tell them about worms going through their nostrils and things falling out. And y'all look at me like I'm crazy. That's the kind of movies I watched when I got saved the first time. Oh God, I don't want to go there. I'll, I'll take Jesus. I'll take Jesus. Can I have a witness in the house, please? And so we... we most of us enter in with a marred view of God without understanding that it was a father who throughout eternity had schemed for your salvation. <laughs> a father who even before you were born was planning on drawing you in with his love. A father who was going to woo you in, woo you in with his goodness and his kindness. Not a father who uses the devil to scare you out of badness. He's a good God. Say it. Say it. He's a good God. Come on, say it again. He's a good God. Ah. Whenever any part of your theology does not reveal him as good, you have to go back and ask yourself what you're believing. Whenever you operate in fear, be it in politics... Be it in your finances, in your giving, 
be it in your marriage, whenever you're operating in fear, you got to ask yourself, what am I believing about the Father God? Do I still see him as an angry man who's waiting to knock me on my head every time I sin? Or do I see him as a loving father who cannot wait to even give up his own son? The Bible says it gave the father pleasure. What? It gave the father pleasure to see Jesus die. You know why? Because the only thing the father kept his eyes on, I'm going to get me my sons. I'm going to get my sons. I'm going to get my sons. Beloved, Jesus came to restore back the story of the Garden of Eden. Because even when it was written through Moses, it still did not give us the idea that it was a father. It still gave us an idea that it was a God who you had to hide from. It was a God that you have to run away from. A God who is angry, who's mad at you because you sinned. And yet you see the father coming and saying, where are you? Where are you? He wasn't saying, I'm looking for you, boy. I'm going to smite you as soon as I find you. Now, where are you? Where are you? Let me ask you this question. Had sin, ha had sin happened in the garden? Yeah. And yet a holy father did not find it unworthy to come walk in a garden where it just had messed up. Wow. So his, his ultimate desire was to restore man back. His ultimate desire was to say, I'm a father. You, through the law, now think, law? What law? The tree of the knowledge of good and evil was a type of the law. Why? Because it was a thing that they were told. Not to do. Got it? And so now that, now that it's a type of the law, their view immediately changed. And now suddenly, he wasn't a father who came to hang out with them in the cool of the day. He was an angry God who was going to judge them. Where did the idea of judge even creep in? Where did, who told you, you are naked? What was God saying? God was saying, who told you, that's how I see you. Meaning, you are only supposed to believe something about yourself that I say. If, if I didn't say you're naked, you ain't naked. Or like we text and say, naked. Are you listening to me? That's why the father says, who told you you're naked? What was the father saying? You're listening to another father. Yes. <laughs> you're listening to another father. Immediately, a planet that God made to have father and sons became an orphan planet. And that orphan spirit has been spread so far, so deep, that it has even creeped into our spirituality. That's why when Jesus came, not only did he come to do away with, do away with the law and to do away with sin. Why, why did Jesus do away with the law and do away with sin? Why did Jesus come to do away with the law and do, do away with sin? Why? Because it was those two things that made the father look angry. Why does he say there is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus? Why is he saying that? Because he's saying if you look through him through the eyes of condemnation, you walk away from his original intent to be daddy, yeah. to be Abba, yes. to be Abba father. He has always been trying to restore that image back. Jesus said, if you have seen me, you have seen the father. They wanted to stone him. 
They got really angry when he said, I am the father. Why? Because the father could not be that good. I get that Jesus is a great guy. He died for me. He loves me. He loves me. Jesus loves me. This I know for the Bible tells me so. The Holy Spirit, oh yeah, he loves, he loves, and he comes and lives in my heart, doesn't he? The Holy Spirit is the one that's in my heart. Oh, Father, you know, we'll, we'll get there. When we get to heaven, we'll, we'll kind of connect. He is not our grandfather who art in heaven. It is our Abba. My Abba. My Daddy. Let me use my favorite word, my Papa. That's my girls call me that. My Papa, who art in heaven. Jesus was trying to restore. They were saying, see, when you go to pray, you seem to have like a direct line with the dude upstairs. So when the disciples were saying, teach us how to pray, they were not saying, teach us how to be religious. Dude, the, the Jews knew how to be religious. They knew the religion part. What they didn't know is, teach us that thing you do, man. You talk to him differently. Why do you talk to him differently? Jesus said, because our Father. Our Father. He was trying to restore the heart of God as a Father. And I'm talking to you grace people. Listen to me. You will never understand the fullness of God's grace if grace is only going to be Jesus. So you will get grace while your marriage is falling apart. You will get grace while your children are going crazy. Why? Because there's a part of you that can never be healed fully. Until you experience the love of the Father. Amen. I'm preaching a lot better than you shouting there, but that's okay. Because we're so content with Jesus and the, and the Holy Spirit. And while that is true, then all the Bible needed to tell us was the half of the Godhead dwelt bodily in Him. It says the fullness of the Godhead dwelt bodily in him. And then it goes on to say, and you are complete. If you read the Amplified, the word complete means Father, Son, and Holy Spirit live on the inside of you. Oh, get out of here. Oh, the Father is too holy to be in me as if Jesus and the Holy Ghost aren't. Think about this stuff. That's why when you see the Father in the Old Covenant, Isaiah would say, Away from me, for I am a man of unclean lips. Because whenever you see the Father through the law, you always see your condition. When Jesus came down from the Mount of Transfiguration, full of the glory of God, the Bible says, and the masses were drawn to him. Are you listening to me? This new glory was not a glory that chased people away. It was a glory that drew people, drew people to himself. Jesus came to restore the true image of the Father. God was once again through Jesus Christ showing an orphan planet. You're not an orphan. You're not a bastard. You are a son. You are a son. What does that mean? That means I am not alone. That means I am not unwanted. That means a father sowed his best seed to reap a harvest of sons. The father didn't just scheme. Gabriel, come here, boy. Come here. That's what I want you to do, Gabe. I want you to go down there and die for them. No. No. 
He didn't even send the best archangel. He sent his only begotten for God so loved. Don't let these verses be cheap verses, man. For God the Father so loved the world that he gave his only son. What does that mean? You are so valuable that the only thing I can equal your value to. Go home. No, 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 preacher, you don't, you don't tell God how valuable you are. Amen. Amen. I am but a worm. <laughs> a wretch like me. <laughs> Beloved, he didn't consider any of that stuff. While we were yet sinners or sinning, Christ found us worthy. Worthy, meaning what? Precious enough to die for. So I'm going to exchange, I'm going to exchange for a moment something that's of value in heaven to compare it with what I see you as. How, how, how is that equal? How, is, how can you compare that? I'll tell you how. Because when we were first created, we were created in his likeness and his image. Amen. We were not created in the likeness and image of Gabriel or Michael or that lunatic Lucifer. He was, we were made in his likeness and image. And no matter what man did to go away from God based on his marred view of the father, the father's opinion of man or the father's value for you never changed. <laughs> the father's value for you was still you are worth my son. How can I do something that's of value? My son. My son, you think God could have said all the host of heaven emptied out heaven, every angel? It still would not be equal to God's value for man. So when you read for God so loved the world, don't you go on that like it's a memory Bible school, Sunday school verse you learned. It means God found me so valuable. Come on. God found me so beautiful. God found me so worthy. That the only thing he could send to show me how important I am was himself. I want you to fall so madly in love with the Father. I want you to be so obsessed with him. I want you to snuggle up in his arms every morning, every night. I want you. You know what you got? Daddy issues. That's right. I'm talking to you Christian people. You got daddy issues. Oh, but I got a great, hey, hey. The prodigal son had a great daddy too. And yet he had daddy issues. You want to know who else had daddy issues? The big boy that lived with daddy the whole time. The one who stayed with the father still had daddy issues. Why? Because he didn't see the father through the right lens. He was still working hard to earn the father's favor. Father, I've been with you this long. I have been working for you this long. And yet you have not thrown a party for me. You can never earn a party from the father, beloved. You missed the point. You can never work enough to get something from the father. It's a free gift. It's a free gift. 
The prodigal son went crazy and when he came back and he came back and he said, Father, I am a sinner. At least make me one of your slaves for I am better off being a slave in your kingdom. Don't give me all the other big stuff. You know, it sounds like most of us when we get saved, isn't it? Just give me the pig sty because the, the dudes who take care of the pigs in your house eat a lot better than what I'm eating right now. You know what the father does? Yes, son. Yes, you are a pig. No. He doesn't even acknowledge his confession. He doesn't even acknowledge his repentance. As soon as he turned around to the direction of his father, daddy was already waiting. <laughs> as soon as he turned around, daddy was already there with arms wide open. The distance that the boy walked away from the father didn't change a thing. For the father, that when he came back and he said, Lord, I'm a worm, I'm a sinner, father, I'm nothing, I'm a, I'm a worm, father. The father says, put a robe on that boy. Why? Why? Because this is a robe of sonship. Put a robe on him so he knows who he is. I'm not even going to acknowledge his confession. Amen. So while you go there, after you just mess up, <laughs> daddy, you know what I did last night. You know I messed up. He's not even acknowledging you. He says, put that robe back on that boy. What's the robe? It's a robe of righteousness, baby. Yes. Righteousness, meaning what? In perfect standing with the Father. Who is the only one that's worthy of the robe of righteousness? Jesus. Who is the only one who's worthy of the robe of righteousness? Jesus. And yet God says, take that robe off of him and put it on this boy. That's exactly what happened on the cross. Yes. <laughs> That's exactly what happened on the cross. I'll tell you what happened on the cross. God forsook his son so he could adopt you. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He took our place because what we had the right to call him was God. So that we could enter into his place and say, my father, <laughs> my father, daddy, my father, my father. Here's the beautiful thing. If those were the last words Jesus said and then he died, we are all doomed. <laughs> Because Jesus is not our example. He's our substitute. <laughs> and so when Jesus was forsaken, we were forsaken. But it didn't take long. He said, it is finished. And after he said, it is finished, he once again says, Father, into thy hands I commit. Get out. Go away, go away, go away, go away. Go away. You like that first part because everybody else preaches that part, doesn't they? He didn't stop there. He said, Father, Amen. Father, for a moment, just for a moment, just for a moment. Why? To show you and me how valuable we are. That I took that sin that separated us, that illusion, that illusion, that marred view of God, and I put it on Jesus, and for just a moment, His view of his father was marred and he said, my God, so good. <laughs> I don't know if you see, this is why when I preach, I run around my house. 
when I'm preparing at home. Because so many things start getting healed in my heart as I'm studying this. As I'm studying this, all this stuff starts getting healed in my heart and, and God starts setting me free. And I, oh God. Oh God, because if we don't understand that the whole scheme was so the father heart of God could be restored back to man. It was all about the father kissing us. Come back. Come back. You know why? Because I never changed my opinion of you. Yes. Amen. <laughs> I never changed my opinion of you. Now, can I teach just a little? Four verse one, stay with me, ready? Now I say that an heir, as long as he is a child, does not differ from a slave, though he's master of all. Now I know you're thinking this is for you. It's not. He's speaking about the Jewish people. But it's under guardians and stewards under the appointed time by the father. The appointed time is what? When the fullness of time came, God sent forth His Son. How do we know? Keep reading. So even we, when we were children, we were in bondage under the elements of the world. For those of you that are having a hard time with that in the Amplified, verse 3, it says, So we Jews, also when we were minors, we were kept like slaves under the rules of the Hebrew ritual and under subject to the elementary teachings of a system of external observations and regulations. Huh? Four, but, shout but. but, I don't know what town y'all are from, but that's not a shout, but that's good. <laughs> but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth the son, I'm in the NKJV now, born of a woman, born under the law. Why? Who remembers the teaching I did a while back? Why? To redeem those who were under the law. Now watch this. Who was redeemed from the curse of the law? The Jews. You were never under the law. To redeem those who are under the law, that we, now he's talking about us. How do I know? That we might receive what? Adoption as sons. So when Jesus came as a Jew, died and became the curse of the law, but put on him, something happened in that moment. Something was exchanged in that moment. That when Jesus became the curse of the law, we got adopted in and grafted in as sons. We got grafted into the blessing of Abraham. Now, why? So now that that wall of separation is pulled down, in Christ there is neither Jew nor Gentile, male nor female, none of that stuff. It's all been removed. He died. He became the, read that again, to redeem those who are under the law, the Jews, that we might receive adoption as sons. Next verse. And because you are sons. He's speaking to the Galatians now. So while Jesus died for the Jews to be redeemed from the curse, he grafts us in. If you read the chapter before that, it'll explain it to you more clearly. He grafts us in and gives us all the blessings without the curse. All the blessings without the curse. All the blessings without the curse. Why without the curse? Because Jesus became the curse. Church, don't go around preaching and telling people they are going to be cursed if they don't do this and cursed if they don't do that. I'm not saying there's natural there's, there are not natural consequences to stupidity. Of course there are. But it is not God cursing anybody. So whenever an earthquake happens, don't look for a spiritual reason. 
whenever a hurricane comes and destroys it, it's not. Is God successful? Yes. Is he good at what he does? Then Louisiana's got to be the holiest city in, on planet Earth right now. Because I was told that it was the wrath of God cleaning up the homosexuality in Louisiana. If God was trying to clean up the act, God would clean it up. How do you know? Go looking for Sodom and Gomorrah. When God does a job, He does a job. <laughs> Beloved, He became the curse. He became the curse. He became the curse. God is not looking for an excuse to judge America. When people say that God is going to judge America for its sin, when God is going to judge America for its homosexuality, like somehow that's a lot bigger than the other ones. We got levels of them now. If God does not judge America for his homosexuality, God will have to say sorry to Sodom and Gomorrah. You've all heard that one. I love how Andrew Womack says it. He says, if God does judge America for its homosexuality, God will have to say sorry to Jesus. Amen. Now why, 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 why is he doing this? Why is he doing all this redeeming from the law? Adopt, why is he doing it? Because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying out. Shout it. Abba, the only reason why he's doing that is so you can know him as Abba. Abba, Father. Now read verse 7. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. Shout, I'm a son. I'm a son. Shout it, I'm a, I'm a son. Now nudge that person next to you say, what up, son? <laughs> Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. I know, especially if you're from my country, India, and I know many of our dear people are watching online when they view this, but we've been taught from the time we were young that we call father master. Master. We come to you, master. We pray to you, Master. He is not your master anymore. He is your father. He's not looking to be a master. He's looking to be a father. I know it's kind of become part of our vocabulary when we pray. Master, master. Is that a third world thing? It's a, it's a, it's a common master. He is not a... Therefore, you are no longer a slave. Meaning what? He is no longer a master. But... A son, meaning what? He is my father. <laughs> father. 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 And if a son, then an heir of God. Through. Through who? An heir of God through Christ. An heir of God through Christ. Now that doesn't seem very fair, does it? For me to receive the benefits of someone to be an heir means I got to wait for him to die. And we know God ain't never dying. 
Go to Romans 8 and I'll finish with verse 17. Sarah, let's start at verse 14 in KJV, please. Romans chapter 8, verse 14. Romans chapter 8, do you guys have it in your Bibles? Yes, sir. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are what? Sons of God. Now watch this. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. I'm setting up for my next week's teaching. But you received the spirit of... Notice it's not a small letter S. The spirit of bondage was a small letter S. But the spirit of adoption is not a small letter. It's the Holy Ghost himself. <laughs> Woo! But you received the spirit of adoption by whom? Not by which. By whom? Cry it out. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are what? Children of God. Remember the last line we wrote in Galatians 4? If children, then? Heirs. Now watch this. Heirs of God. Whoa, 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 whoa. Okay, that's good. That's good. That's good. We were heirs of God through Christ. That's where Galatians 4 stopped. Watch what he says next. And joint heirs with Christ. Wait a minute. What are you saying? That's how valuable the Father thinks you are. You got to hear me now. You got to hear me. Jesus did not sneak us into the presence of God wearing clothes that looked just like him. So we faked it all the way in. Even though we were sinners, he put his... And so now that we're covered by the blood, the father only sees us like his son, as if the father is ignorant. The father chose. The father chose to give you the same huh? inheritance position. The same position. Not only are you an heir through Christ, so you kind of snuck in there through Jesus. He gives us the same position. Joint. Why are we joint heirs? Because we just called him Abba. As soon as you call him Abba, you get the revelation that not only are you just snuck in there. We were just sinners and we snuck in there. Just got in there because he covered us with his blood. No, 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 no. God takes you. And puts you right next to him with Jesus. So we can be seated with him. You didn't get seated only because of Jesus. You snuck in because the father had it planned all along. So you could be with him. Joint heirs with Christ. I was in California this week. And God's been healing me of a lot of stuff been a rough year you know and I asked myself why was it rough while God has expanded my ministry in this I don't know if I told you this in one meeting I saw 7,000 salvations 7,000 I'm not saying that to brag on you I'm saying that to tell you that in one meeting I had more salvations than all my meetings last year put together so this is not a bad year <laughs> it's a great year ministerially speaking Healings like I have never experienced in my life. All in one meeting. More people healed in one service than all the people healed last year in my ministry. Cancers, tumors. 
Ridiculous. But there was a lot of stuff going on in my heart that just wouldn't let me rejoice in, in the great things that God was doing. I was in Los Angeles, California with my leaders and they were ministering to me and they didn't know much of what was going on, but Johnny Enloe's wife, Elizabeth, sits me down and goes, Zach, you were very badly wounded this year. And then and in the place that I was hurt, you see, I, I didn't have a great relationship growing up with my dad. My dad was a great guy, great guy. He was just never there for me to see how great he was. And so I left always looking for a father. The reason I got involved in those gangs when I was so young is because I was looking for a daddy. I got into ministry looking for a daddy and every guy that was in ministry was more threatened by me trying to kill me. Nobody would help me. And I got into ministry thinking, yeah, they're all going to applaud me all the way up. Now they did. They were trying to kill me half the time, making up lies all the way. And so the father, the father image kept getting marred every chance I got because I was looking to man to get my affirmation. And so the one thing I said is I would be a great dad. My God, I don't care what happens. I'm a great dad. I travel the world so much, people, and yet I have not missed one parent-teacher meeting of my children. Oh. I've not missed one performance. I think I missed one piano recital. Did I miss one? No, I have not missed one. One? I've been there for everything. My children's graduation, I've been there for every single thing. In fact, the job I had before this, when I had, a, when I had a job that was in town, I missed everything my children did because I was at work. I've been more busy than I've ever been in my life, and yet the Lord has brought so much rest. I, and, and because of that daddy issue I had, I overcompensated by saying, I will never, I will be there for my children. My children will never miss their father. My children, the worst part of traveling and ministry for me is my children. I see it in their eyes. They hate it. <laughs> And so I try to make up, come back with the best gifts. I've never come back from a trip without gifts to my children. We got unnecessary things filled up in my house. <laughs> I, I promise I will be a great dad. I will be a great dad. And that's really important to me because I will be what I never had. I will try to be what nobody gave me. And even as I came to America and I got jobs and I would look up to father figures. And the only thing I got was do your job and go home. I was looking for a father. And, 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 and in the time of crisis, the father turned on me. It was really painful. And I, I, I kept getting a marred image of the father. And so I would overcompensate by being a father. And so when people came into the ministry, they would automatically call me Papa or Dad. Because that's something I don't ask people to do that. That's just in them to do it. Because that's the, you read it on my forehead, even if I don't say it. Because I'm trying to be father. I don't know if you like this or not, church. As a pastor, I'm realizing my role is father. Now, if, if I'm too young to be a father to you, get over it. I'll outlive most of you. So that's a good thing. <laughs> So you'll have a dad that's not going to go anywhere. He's going to live a lot long. And I would always overcompensate and I would, I would get my affirmation from my children. Either my own children or my ministry children. I would, I would get my identity from them. And it was really important for me to be a great dad because I didn't have one. And so I would always try. I would try and I would, I would work hard and I would be the best. I'd try to be there as much as I could for these guys. Many of these ones that are in this church have been with me for a long time. And I've, I've tried my best to be, my, be a father and a provide, meet every need, help start businesses, help start ministries, help. I've tried my best. I would work hard. And then this year, this year, someone that I was very dear to me um, left. And they didn't leave very well. And they left, but the accusation that they left 
me with was that I wasn't a good father. And boy, my world fell apart. When someone said, you're like an Eli. Oh, you, you could call me Samson and it wouldn't bother me. <laughs> but when you went for that father thing, whoo, you killed it. And I felt my whole world fall apart. And there were all these kids that loved me in the ministry. And I had all these people that were affirming me around the world. I got guys in other nations that look up to me as their dad. But it didn't matter because for that one moment, I felt like the most worthless, hopeless. I, why am I doing this? The only reason I was doing this was to be a good father. And here he calls me. I'm a terrible dad. And my whole world fell apart. And I was so broken. I was so broken. I was so, so hurt. And in Los Angeles, as the Lord's been healing me through this process, Elizabeth speaks and says, Zach, if I were you, I would be grateful to the one that grieved you. Because the one thing they did expose was the fact that you took your affirmation of who you are from them and not from the Father. That as soon as someone that you looked and wanted your, I'm a great dad from, said, you're a terrible father and I'm leaving because you're a terrible one. My whole world fell apart. I couldn't stand, I couldn't preach for a while. I, had, I, I was in Malaysia crying like a baby and there were all these people gathered together to minister and I couldn't minister and I'm in another country and I'm so broken. I said, God, I'm not good enough. I can't do this. And that's when the Lord ministered to me in Malaysia and healed my heart in that moment. It was in Malaysia, God saying, Zach, you don't have to try to be a father. You don't have to be try to be a good dad because your affirmation does not come from down. It comes from up. Amen. And I know there are many dads in this room that probably have done your best and you feel like you failed because your children just went crazy. And you feel like a failure. You feel like you've, you've messed up. And <laughs> Some of you are afraid to have kids, yeah? Because I don't know how I'm going to be. I had a crazy dad. I don't want to do the same thing to my kids. And you live in this fear. I want you to know. I want you to know your affirmation doesn't come from them. Even though it's beautiful and it's satisfying. It's gratifying. Your affirmation comes from your heavenly father. Amen. The first thing Satan will do is question your sonship. I've preached about that all my life. And I made it all about identity. And yes, it's all about identity. But it was all about, do you have a father really? If you are the son, do you have a father? Do you have a father? And in the flesh, you want to go, yes, I got a dad. I got a dad. He loves me. And then you miss the whole point, won't you? Because trying to prove to anybody else that you have a dad because you're trying to be successful so people can see your success and think that you have a father. People want to see your anointing and see that you're a father. That you have a good father. People want to see you to see a, be a good husband. And so you try to overcompensate there. And you want to prove that you have a father. And you do that. You're going to burn yourself out. You're going to burn yourself out. Before Jesus had done one miracle. Before Jesus had done one single thing. And for all of you young people that are looking to a father. Your father at home. Some of you may be adopted. Maybe your spiritual father has let you down like me. And I... I felt like a bastard child all my life looking for a father. And when I found the few that loved me and were not threatened by me, that were not, that were okay with my success and loved me for it. 
that weren't in competition with me. I would go to this one father with an offering every year because I wanted to tell him how good I was doing. I would take a lot of money and I would go sit and I would say, this many people got saved this year. And I would give this offering to this father and he would turn around and go, well, I had a meeting this year and this many people got saved too. And it would break my heart. I would go, I'm not competing with you. I am not competing with you. I just want you to say, good job, boy. That's all I was looking for. I wasn't looking to compete with anybody. I'm not a comp competitive guy. I mean, that's not who I am. And in these days, God has been so breaking my heart. And that's not a bad thing. To get me to the place to go to Zach, I am your father. Amen. I am your affirmation. Amen. I am your glory. I am the lifter of your head. If nobody else will honor you, I will. Even if Saul tries to kill you, I got your back. Jesse may be ashamed to say that he has another boy out in the wilderness, but I'm not ashamed to anoint you in the presence of my enemies. I have a father, and he's still healing my heart. <laughs> I have a daddy. He's never going to give up on me. He's never going to forsake me. He's never going to leave me. He wants me to know him. Come, John. He wants me to experience him. And if you've been suffering with rejection in this place, and you're looking for it in a spouse, in a girlfriend, in a boyfriend, in an earthly father, in a mother, they, they may be good intending people, but they're not perfect, and they can let you down. And you're waiting for your affirmation to come from people and they will often let you down and you feel rejected. You feel broken. I've come to tell you I have a father. You have a father. And he loves you with an everlasting love. And there's nothing you can possibly do to make this father stop loving you. I don't care how old you are. God spoke to an old Jeremiah and said, I have loved you with an everlasting love and I'm drawing you with my loving kindness. If you've been struggling with that rejection in any area, you know, David did till he died. <laughs> I don't care if you've been serving God, if you're a worship leader, minister, pastor, usher, church member, giver, tither. If you've been struggling with that rejection and affirmation, don't make me wait for me to beg and plead and don't make me play those games. If you've been struggling with any form of rejection that is affecting you in the area of commitment or, or insecurity or fears, of how you treat people, of how to see the good in people. You got daddy issues. And today the Heavenly Father wants to heal you. If you've been struggling with that rejection, with that lie of insignificance, if you've been struggling with anything like that, stand now. If you would like to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you can repeat this simple prayer with me right now, wherever you are. Dear Lord Jesus, I come to you as I am and receive you as my Lord and Savior. Thank you for dying for me. I confess with my mouth and believe in my heart that Jesus is my Lord. I am yours forever in Jesus' name, amen.
Thank you for joining us today for this teaching. We would love to hear from you. You can write us at ZCIM PO Box 592675, San Antonio, Texas 78259. For more information on ZCIM, please visit us at zcim.org or on Facebook and Twitter at ZCIM Official. God bless you.